0: Well, thank you for joining us once again as we continue to walk through the Bible together, reading five days a week, readings from the Old Testament, Psalms, and New Testament each week. We're on week four this week, and we are chugging right along here. Um, We should have been reading Genesis 41 through 50 this week, finished up the Gospel of Mark with Mark 16, and then... Um, Psalms 24, 108, and 25, and the first four chapters of the book of Galatians. So I hope that you were able to get those read, and I would invite you again to just grab your Bibles as we begin to look through just a few of these things together here. And again, I just want to encourage you to shoot any questions my way. I've had several of those come over the past few weeks, and just really enjoy being able to answer those for you and continue to help you walk through the Word God together, God I want to say a quick prayer again as we get started here and then we will spend a few minutes looking at three things I want to look at uh, from the scriptures we read this week together. So please join me in prayer. God we thank you so much again for your word. I thank you for how it encourages and teaches us and Lord I'm just so thankful that there is so much for us to learn. God that we could be students of your word for our entire lives and we could never plumb the depths of scripture and all that you have included there. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and how he helps us to understand and apply your word to our lives. And I just pray that we would be people who are known to live by your word and to live by your spirit, God. That's part of growing in grace and knowledge together, is working those things out each and every day. So we just ask for your help. I just pray this morning, uh, this afternoon, whenever we're listening to this, God, that you would help us as we... uh, Look at these things that you would encourage us and that you would just feed us, Lord, from your word, so that we might go and live as your children today. We thank you for all you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to look at three things today from our scriptures. I want to look at redemption, I want to look at reliability, and I want to look at ruling. And what we're going to start with is the book of Genesis. Once again, and we should have been in Genesis um, towards the end there, chapters 41 through 50. And the thing that really jumped out to me here was in Genesis chapter 44. And Genesis chapter 4, verses 33 and 34, we hear these words. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord, and let the boy go back to his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. Now, if you read this, and if you jump back just a little bit farther in chapter 44, in verse 18, there you will see that this is Joseph's brother, Judah, who's speaking these words. And Judah here is pleading with Joseph for the life of his brother, Benjamin. Joseph, through some trickery of his own, was testing his brothers, I believe, to see where their hearts We're really at. And what we see here is that Judah's heart is really a heart of redemption. In fact, I think this is true repentance that we see here. If you'll remember from Genesis 37 and verse 27, Judah was actually the one who had the idea to sell Joseph to the slave traders and send him down to Egypt in the first place. He didn't want to kill him. He didn't want his brother's blood on his hand, but he didn't want him in his life either. So it was his idea to pull him out of the pit to sell him to the slave traders as they passed by. And I can only imagine the look on Joseph's face and Judah and the rest of his brothers sitting there watching him as he was tied behind those camels and carted off down to Egypt. Well, many years have passed here and the tables have truly turned. Joseph's dreams have come true, and if you look back to Genesis 43 and verses 20 to 6, you'll see that his brothers came and bowed down to him to the ground. That's exactly what Joseph's dream back in Genesis 37 was about. That was God and his word coming to truth in, in their lives, and we see that Joseph now is the one who holds all the powers in either providing life for his br- brothers or death for his brothers, and what we see here is Joseph testing his brothers by putting um, his silver goblet in Benjamin's sack and seeing what the brothers will do, I think. And and Judah here, we see really a change of heart. We see true repentance, not just in that he was sorry for what he had done, but actually that he had changed his Life. He had changed how he was going to respond and care for his brothers, because now, instead of just writing his brother off, selling his brother into slavery, he says, let me take his place. Let me be the one to take his place. I believe that that is why the Lord Jesus Christ comes through the tribe of Judah. And you, As you get a little bit further into Genesis there, you see um, Israel's blessing to his sons and how those are going to play out. For future generations, and you begin to see um, the, the wickedness of Reuben and Joseph's other brothers there, and why they were removed from that line, the blessing did not come through the firstborn, rather through Judah, who was the fourthborn of Jacob's son. So I think that's true redemption there, and I think that's encouraging for us, that no matter where you have been or what you have done, God can and will use that for good. He will absolutely use that to accomplish his purposes. If you have not, I would so encourage you to commit Genesis chapter 50 and verses 19, 20, and 21 um, to commit some of those things to memory. And this is really um, one of the main points of the book of Genesis. And it says this, but Joseph said to them, do not fear for I am I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones, and thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You know, After the death of Jacob here, we see that he actually finally has complete control and power over his brothers, and his brothers are fearful that now Joseph is going to turn the tables on them, and he is going to... Um, repay them the evil that they did to him. But Joseph is absolutely in tune with what God is doing. That All the hardship and all the struggles in his life, that was God guiding him to a place where God could accomplish his purposes. And God used Joseph to sustain not only his people, Israel, but in fact to save the entire world from famine at that time. And we see God working that redemption through Joseph, and then Joseph offering that to his brothers. What, God, what you intended for evil, God meant for good. Those are good things for us to remember today. So that's the first thing I want to look at is, is repentance there, that redemption that comes from knowing who God is and knowing what he is doing, that even when we face trials, he is working for good. Turn with me to the book of Mark. I want to look at Mark chapter 16, and I want to just spend just a couple of moments here and highlight something for you that you may or may not have seen from the book of Mark. Now, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 16, we get the account of Jesus' resurrection, and then, towards the end of that chapter, we get a record of verses 9 through 20. Now, most of your Bibles will probably have a little note in there that says some of the earliest manuscripts do not include verses 9 through through 20. So what I want to talk about for just a second is reliability and the reliability of God's Word. Because it is posed many times that if God's Word is not reliable, how can we trust it? How can we base our lives on that? And if the earliest copies, the earliest manuscripts we have do not include these verses, why are they included in these verses in our Bibles today? Um, so I'm going to attach to this um, podcast. There's a short document on the reliability of Scripture. It has a lot of great information, if that's something you would like to take a look at and dig into a little bit more. But I just want to highlight for you here that the things that are found in Mark 16, verses 9 through 20, they are not in disagreement with the rest of Scripture. So even though they were... Not in some of the earliest manuscripts we have. These verses do appear very early on in the manuscripts that we have of the book of Mark. Now, as you look at them stylistically and the language and and the words that are used, they are different from the rest of the book. And it would lead me to believe that these verses were not actually penned by Mark. They were not included in that first Manuscript when he passed that down with the help of the apostle Peter as as his witness as his guide. But as you go through these things, what you see um, is not an account that is in disagreement with the rest of Scripture. Now I know that it makes us a little uncomfortable when we get down to the Great Commission as recorded here in Mark 16, because it goes on to talk about the signs that will accompany whoever. In verse six, chapter 16, verse 16, says, "...whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover." And we read those words, and it makes us a little bit uncomfortable, because we're like, well, is Jesus here telling us to go pick up deadly snakes, to drink poison, to test the Lord, to see if we will be saved? Now, indeed, there have been groups of people that have taken that as a command of Scripture, that we should do those things in order to test the Lord. But when you actually just read it, it is not a command for us to do those things. We are not told to do that. We are told that when those things happen, if they happen, then we will receive protection. Now, we recognize that God's ways are not our ways. And we do not always receive the protection that we think we should receive. Sometimes God protects us by protecting our eternal soul. That even though we have passed away from this earth, we are protected with him forever. So I would like to point out that the Bible here does not command us to do those things. What it does is promise us the protection of the Lord. That is a principle that is not against the rest of Scripture. I would also like to point out that if you remove these verses, verses nine through twenty, you don't lose any really important doctrinal um, proof from the from the Bible. You know the things that are included here. They are. Um, commands, they are um, they are a, um, a record of, of what Jesus said when he appeared to Mary Magdalene, two disciples in the Great Commission, and what we see from that is God working in the lives of believers. But if you pull those verses out, even if they were added later, then we don't lose important doctrine. It's not like there's proof here about the deity of Jesus Christ that's going to be lost if we take this out. And if we were going to add something to scripture, we as humans, we would always want to add something that is going to prove our point, that is going to give us a leg up when it comes to the competition, when we we're going to prove um, naysayers of God's word. So we would add something that would really um, help us in those arguments when we're talking about Jesus is who he is and he does what he says he's going to do. And That's not what we find here in these verses. I would encourage you to just take a look at that short document that's attached here. It has a lot more information. I won't spend a lot of time going through all of that, but it does really pose the question for us, is God's Word reliable, and can we trust it? And I think the answer is yes, even if there are some differences here in the very earliest manuscripts from the book of Mark. Again, I'd love to talk more with you and answer some more questions that you have. I would love to to work through those with you together. But we're going to go on to one more thing from the book of Galatians here together. And I want to look at Galatians chapter 4, and I want to talk about ruling. We've talked about repentance and redemption. We've talked about reliability. And now I want to talk to you about ruling. Galatians 4 verses 1 through 7 say this, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his sons into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What I would like to point out here and just remind us of is that we are heirs with Christ. And we are heirs to everything that God has promised us. And what I want to remind us of here is that that time has come where now we receive some of those promises as children of God. Verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. You know, I know it's difficult for us to picture exactly where we are headed and what is going on in our world. Sometimes it's easy for us to be scared. Sometimes it's easy for us to feel like God has abandoned us, or we do not know exactly what He is doing. We don't know exactly how He is working things out. I just want to remind you that no matter where you find yourself, in whatever situation you find yourself, you, if you have trusted in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you are an heir with Him, and you are a son or a daughter of God, And you, right now, can practice some of those ruling principles that come as an heir with Christ. You can practice some of those things. Now, surely we will not experience the fullness of that ruling aspect of our um, inheritance until we are with God in glory, until he has redeemed the earth and we get to rule with him in perfection. But right now, God is working in your life. He has started that process of sanctification that's being made into the image of God. That means that you are becoming more and more like Christ. And even though you are not perfect, even though you are still a sinner, you, through the blood of Jesus, the one whom God sent into this world to redeem you, have received an inheritance. And it is an inheritance of eternal glory. But don't miss the fact that you get to work for that right now. You get to be a part of what God is doing. And you are no longer a slave to sin. Rather, now you are a slave to righteousness. So don't miss the opportunities God is giving you each and every day to be an heir, to live as one who has been changed, to live as one who knows where their inheritance is from, And what their inheritance is for. And that is for us to bring glory to God each and every day. To point other people to him. To love him. To love others. To serve them both. Don't miss it. You get to rule right now with God because of what Christ has done in you. And that is a real blessing. That is something that I think we often miss because we are focused on the fact that we don't know exactly what God is doing or where he is going to take us. He is doing something in you, no matter your circumstances or your situation. I'm sure that Joseph had days where he did not understand what God was doing, but, but he chose to trust, and he chose to remember that his faith in God put him where he was, and that God was using it for good. So no matter what evil you see around you, no matter how much others intend that to harm you, remember that God intends that for good, and that he is working those things together for the good of those who love him, those who have been redeemed by him and who are now ruling with him. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that this has been an encouraging few minutes in God's Word together. Uh, We will catch you next week when we join in looking at the book of Exodus from 1 through 15 and starting into the book of Ephesians after we finish Galatians. Thank you so much. I hope that you have a wonderful day.